Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. I think for right now, we're, we're looking at, uh, because of the makeup of our team and the fact that we have guys like Noah and and Jake at the top of the rotation, that um, I think we had the right pieces around them. We can be competitive um, really quickly. In fact, as we get Jay Bruce and Cespedes back, hopefully, and Syndergaard, I think we're going to be a lot more competitive in the coming days. So, yeah, I don't think we're looking at a you know two- or three-year thing. We're looking to bring in guys, as I just mentioned, that can come in and help this team in the shorter term than that. So the goal is to compete in next season as opposed to a, a deeper overhaul. That's Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited about, you know, the challenge that ownership has put in front of us to uh, look at this in maybe a little different way, a little fresh take on on things. Uh, they've asked us to, you know, uh, take a step back and and uh, maybe uh, think outside the box a little bit. So uh, we're going to do that, uh, the three of us. And as I said, the long history I have with both of them, I feel real confident that we'll be able to work together and uh, make this team better both in the short term and for the long term. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, July the 8th, 2018. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, as well as over at our friends, The Grueling Truth, part of the iHeartRadio network. Of course, if you could leave me a... Review on iTunes, that'd be greatly appreciated. Hope everybody's doing well. Another beautiful uh, summer weekend. Uh, not too much quality Mets baseball. I know it's been a, a rather poor weekend, but at this point we're uh, at. Uh, this is not about the current team. This is about looking forward. 
With that in mind, uh, I had a chance this weekend to catch up with Russ Langer, the Las Vegas 51's play-by-play announcer. Now, Russ has come on. He comes on usually June, July every season. This is the third time I've had Russ on. He's always been a good resource. And what I like about Russ is he doesn't just give you canned answers. You can tell that he talks to coaches. He he tries to delve into the prospects. And he gave us some interesting stuff last year on Rosario and, and Dom Smith. I know that, you know, we had taken away some, some feedback from him on that. So, I always uh, appreciate Russ spending a little bit of time. He had some time off this week, and he's not with the team in Fresno, so uh, he had some time to catch up with me, and you'll hear that interview in just a little bit. So Russ Langer, Las Vegas 51's play-by-play announcer, joining me in just a bit. As far as, uh, let's set this thing up, you heard the comments that John Rico, uh, basically leading into this podcast I played, and uh, I don't have to repeat them. Essentially, the Mets right now, with the three GMs they have working, Manaya, Rico, J.P. Ricciardi, they're charged with two things. Number one, being creative and trying to figure out ways that they can improve this ball club and maybe think a little bit more out of the box, something that may not have been Sandy Alderson's forte throughout his tenure, but certainly the last couple of years. And the second thing is, is that they believe, and rightfully so, that this is a team that shouldn't be ripped apart. It's still a team that maybe not invest in them right now because they're out of the pennant race this year, but invest in them for 2019-2020 run to potentially a postseason spot while they still have control of DeGrom and Syndergaard and Wheeler and Mats. And I think that if there is going to be a pitcher traded, it seems like, Wheeler or a Mats would be those would be those pitchers. I agree with this strategy. I think this is a sound strategy. Uh, going into last Sunday's game, here was an interesting stat, and it's either forty three or forty four. I think it was forty three. The Mets had out of the eighty games. Now last Sunday against the Marlins was their eighty first game. Out of their first eighty games, forty three were decided by two runs or less. Forty three. And the numbers haven't really changed within the last week. So well over 50% of their games in the first half were decided by two runs or less, which is such a thin margin of error. There's so many ways you can go with that. That's execution. That's injury. That could even fall on Mickey Calloway with some bullpen decisions and decisions to either bunt, not bunt, hit and run, all the other things. I'm just throwing things out there. There's no reason to go and hash out every single type of mistake or decision that you could question throughout. With that margin of error being so small, I think that it would be foolish to look, and nobody's talking about this. Like, all you hear in the media is the rhetoric about, well, the Braves and the Phillies are ahead of schedule. I I love to know who creates these schedules. I I love to sit and talk. I know that there's someone in MLB that has a schedule-making ability. We get a schedule every year at the end of the season for the following season. I didn't know development has this schedule, and everybody. Well, once they they've arrived, that's it. It's over. Can't can't compete with the Phillies and the Braves, so move on and and rebuild. Well, that's just foolish and nonsense. With the margin of error being so small right now, I think certainly the Mets have to look at defense. I think the Mets have to look at uh, improving the bullpen, and maybe some of that is with some of the arms that. 
You've seen Tim Peterson and, and, and Drew Smith, and we'll, we'll bring some of those names up with Russ Langer in just a little bit. But to me, it, that's, that's the first thing. Defense, uh, improving the bullpen, maybe adding in the offseason. I, I love how I hear, see things from a guy like Peter Body. He's not really even a baseball writer for the Daily News. Well, if the Mets aren't going to trade DeGrom, then they have to go after Manny Machado. Well, that's, there's, there's different pathways to improving the club than just one player. And Manny Machado doesn't come without some risk. I'll tell you that much. A, a couple of reasons why he doesn't come without risk. Number one, he's got he's had a knee problem, and I've said this to you, uh, you guys, that I remember. And this is I'm going to keep bringing this up, and and I don't know if it's feasible to get him on the show, but I'd love to talk to him, especially if the Mets ever do get serious about Machado. There is some concern about Machado and his knee. He's had knee problems on a long term contract. There has been. So, you know, that that to me is is one thing. Our buddy Dave Jordan, in stream sports, co-author of the book Baseball Fastball John, uh, tweeted out yesterday uh, that outside of Camden Yards, which is a very cozy ballpark, Manny Machado's his slash line is 270 batting average, 318 on base percentage, 440 uh, slugging. That's not, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very solid shortstop, but... Uh, that's just not anything that bowls you over. It's just not. It's good. So, you know, before we get bananas here and make these declarative type of statements, let's remember, there's a lot of little things, and it's not a great free agent market, but you've got some second baseman like a Brian Dozier and a DJ LeMahieu. A.J. Pollock is an outfielder, a center fielder that could that could be a free agent. You know, the Mets are going to also have to take a look and start to utilize. If you have Island and Callaway the resource of maybe having some success with reclamation projects. And they're not going to hit on every single one. You saw that with Harvey. You see that with well, Vargas isn't a reclamation, but he's, he's been a disappointment. You've got to look and say, can we bring some of these guys in? Because right now, Flexen and Matt Eholt made a, a, a great comment today after the ball game. Flexen and uh, Corey Oswald are probably guys that you want 10 and 11 on your depth charts. They're basically your six and seven starters. So, you know, you're really not, you really don't have much here. Now, Tim Peters, uh, Tim Peters, D- uh, Dave Peterson, Justin Dunn, Anthony Kay. These are some young arms that are coming up the pipeline that have had some uh, success this year. Let's see it continue. It's possible that they can be the Mets version of Mats and Syndergaard and, and um, you know, how they came up a couple of years ago. And, and were able to replace Dylan G and Jonathan Neese and things like that. But... There are ways you can build a ball club. There is no reason why this club, after the season, shouldn't be invested in. I'd be very curious how they can get players to help them. And I think it was really interesting how Rico said, we're not here to have the best farm system. We're here to have the best major league team. That tells you they're not looking just to throw things away, rebuild, and rip things apart. Uh, you can get something with for Familia. You can get something for Cabrera. You know, who knows with some of these relievers they got last year, these could become useful pieces to a competing, contending ball club. And and it, look, in, in a year or two years, things are still mired in all this. You'll still be able to trade Syndergaard. You'll still be able to trade DeGrom. Uh, I, I'm tired of hearing how their value is no is never going to be any higher. Look, what amazes me about the stat guys is that when they were on the fringes, and it wasn't too long ago, it was a little bit less than 10 years ago, when they were on the fringes and traditional front offices still were ruling, 
and they were trying to use their ideology to get jobs, which they did, they used to get frustrated with the narratives and the lack of outside-the-box thinking that traditional front offices employed. Now that they're running front offices, they're doing the same thing with their ideology. Well, there's only one way to win. You got to do it like the Braves, the Phillies, and the Yankees. First of all, the Yankees got lucky. Let's let's. What happened with Aroldis Chapman and the haul they got for Aroldis Chapman is not what you normally would get for a closer on his walk year. It was the Cubs. It was Theo Epstein and Brian Cashman who had a great relationship, and it was a hundred year drought that they had to capitalize the Cubs. I think if you put the Cubs in a room and gave them truth serum, if they were any other organization that wasn't in that situation, and let's also remember Theo Epstein wanted to be the guy that not only has already helped break the curse of the Red Sox. He's, he's broken the curse of the Cubs. That's a big deal. You go all in. You put all your chips to the center of the table. And you know what? That was the right thing to do, even though they overpaid, because they got a championship out of it. And look, nothing since then has necessarily all gone their way. I kept hearing, well, this is just the beginning of multiple championships for the Cubs. Well, they, they, they haven't won since then, and they may not never may not never win again. There's no schedule. There's no one way to do anything. There, it's so, and you're going to hear all this crap from the mainstream media. Is it going to be harder for the Mets to rebuild the way that they're currently constituted? Sure. But isn't that the point of this? It's a challenge. Nothing is going to, they're not going to speed up or slow down any kind of development at this point. I think they would be doing their fans a disservice if they do not try to maximize the potential and the talent of this club, which is something they did not do, and they went halfway after Alderson took over when they didn't trade right and right. See, at that point, you knew they weren't going to spend any money that was just coming out of Madoff. They should have just tore it all down at that point. I don't see this group at that point. Plus, that group didn't have the pitching. It's a lot different when you have right and Reyes versus a rotation that easily could be top five in baseball. And finding bullpen pieces, it's funny, well, they got to go out of here now, they got to go out and spend on a bullpen. How'd that work out for the Rockies? How'd that work out for them? Like, there's no, the all these narratives, they keep going out there, that the media's throwing, listen, sit back, I am not totally comfortable with this three-pronged attack of GMs, and I do not believe, and I know you guys voiced this opinion last week on the call-in show, I do not believe that they're, even though that it's probably good to go out there and bring someone outside the organization, and there's reports that they will interview, I don't think Fred Wilpon's going to do that. I think that the, what you see right now, one of these three individuals, it's not going to be Manaya, it sounds like, and I think, I know for a fact they know Manaya, his strength is not necessarily being the GM. I know that. I know ownership believes that. I know that for a fact. I think it would be Rico or Riccardi. Being the you know president or GM, and I think the other guy would do a lot of the legwork, and I think it would be I wouldn't be surprised if it would turn out to be Riccardi, who's the JP Ricciardi, who's the GM. GM Rickle will stay more in a role of doing a lot of the things he did under Sandy Alderson, which is the contracts and the logistics and things like that, and then Manaya will do a lot of the scouting, especially on the international side. Fred Wilpon likes these committees. Now, that that is a little bit odd because now you've got three people, and the guy that has the most influence within that group is Manaya, because they're going to probably listen to Manaya before they listen to Richardi or Rico, and that's clumsy. And, and but listen, this is the this is what you got with the Wilpons. You cannot you, this as long as they own the team, and I understand that a lot of times. 
you say, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. This is the way that Fred Wilpon likes to run his business and his affairs. And do I think that's the right way? No, but if this is what's in front of you, all you can do is try to find a way to be successful within the ramifications of what they have. That includes payroll and and all the other things that come with it. To, to yell and protest. And, look, I know everybody these, these days, they want to protest. That's the big thing. got to protest to get what you want. Just don't go to the ballpark. If you're that angry, enough people don't go to the ballpark, the message will be heard and things will change, possibly even leading to a sale. Yet to date, that's never happened on a wide enough scale to elicit change, so I don't want to hear it. So that's where I'm at. I think that this is the right strategy. This is the right move. I don't even think you could go outside the organization because if you're having Rico and Ricciardi and Manaya start the process of contending for next year, if you go outside the organization, they're probably – you don't know who you're bringing in. They may not agree with that. So you almost now are wed, at least for the next couple of years, to this scenario. You are. There's no There's no way around it. Let's Let's sit back. Let's see how it works. Enjoy it as much as you can and go forward. And I think that includes the manager. I mean, to go and pull the plug on the manager – who has had so little to do with the issues and the problems of this team so far this year, is foolish as, as well. It's, it would be the equivalent of get rid of A.J. Hinch, and then you see him go somewhere else and win a World Series. I just don't think it's time to do that. I think you've got to let this play out. You have to stop with the instant gratification. A Joe Girardi, a Buck Showalter if he's available, You know, in some ways with a team that's going to be under the gun, Dusty Baker, I'll throw him in there. Under the gun to win now, you may want to go that route, but they're going to cost a lot of money. Um, you know, they're probably going to want to work in an environment where there's a little bit more certainty in terms of who their boss is going to be. Especially Girardi, who, who probably didn't have a great ending there in, in, in the Bronx. So I don't think those guys uh, are, are, are even an option. And I don't think Callaway does enough bad. I don't. I think that he could improve a lot. And I don't think he's distinguished himself as being above and beyond a great manager. But I don't think he's done anything to, in my opinion, that's told me he's total detriment. You know, to me that it's it's at least net neutral. Worst case with what you had before. If anything, what he's done with the pitching staff, and I think that. The fact that Mattson Wheeler, after guys who were not even able to get through three innings earlier in the year, are actually being talked about as being the best on the market arms, that's a lot of credit to those two guys. Matt Harvey didn't work out. Maybe Corey Oswalt and Chris Flexen are not big league pitchers. It's possible. Not everything is going to be turned to gold, but it's, it's the same with Rick Peterson. Go back to his resume. You know, for every guy that came in here and overachieved like a Matt Ginter or a John Main or an Ali Perez, he had some stinkers too. Philip Umber. Guys like that. So, uh, I think the point is, stay the course. This is the, the right strategy. I'm glad to hear Rico talk about it. I'm curious what they are going to be out of the box with. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious what they can pull uh, in trades for Cabrera and Familia, maybe Wilma Flores. I'd be very careful about trading Wheeler and Mats. You better get back something really significant. Uh, Wheeler is a guy who I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I would personally trade him over Mats, especially because I don't know if Wheeler could stay healthy and, and as consistent. I think Mats is a lefty 
seems to be coming to his own, maturing, and as a local kid, I'm kind of rooting for him as well to uh, figure it out. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll hear the interview I had with Russ Langer earlier this weekend. We talked about Jeff McNeil. We talked about Peter Alonzo. We talked about some of the bullpen arms, some of the starters. And let's see if Russ has anybody else down there on the farm that we're not talking about, we're not looking at. And, uh, you know, he's always a uh, an interesting guy to talk to. And as well, it might be the last time we really talk to Russ because the affiliation with the Mets and Vegas is ending. And as much as Russ has been great to us, I think it's the right thing because even though Vegas is getting a new ballpark and a whole rebranding uh, for next year, the Mets really need to be on the East Coast. And with their affiliation with Syracuse, now that they own that team, I think that's uh, it's good for all parties. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, you'll hear from Russ Langer, the play-by-play voice for the Las Vegas 51s. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast right after this. He is 2-6 and six with a 7-2-80 RA, the pitch. Fly ball to deep left center. Going back, Liriano and Hermosillo watching this one, and it is gone. Jeff McNeil hits it out, and the B's lead is 5-1 to one in the bottom of the first inning. We're back and joining us, the play-by-play announcer for the Las Vegas 51s, Russ Langer. Russ has been doing this over 30 years, almost 20 with the 51s. And, and Russ, we'll, we'll kick it off here. Lots of change coming out in Vegas. New ballpark, new name, uh, new affiliation. Uh, 30 years in the business, it never stops, right? It always keeps going, always keeps changing. It, you're right, Mike. It does keep changing. But this is these are really exciting changes. And- uh, this is a ballpark that we were we were hoping we'd have ten years ago, but it's it's uh, going to be worth the wait because I saw I took a virtual tour and it's going to be one of the best uh, minor league facilities in in North America, so it's going to be worth waiting for. Now the Mets moving uh, east, and I guess there's some. I mean, there's going to be a team that's going to be affiliated with the 51s. Any handicapping out there of who will be the next affiliation for the Las Vegas 51s starting in uh, 2019? Not a lot of handicapping. I mean, there's some, obviously there's some speculation here and there, but there are a lot of teams that have their player development contracts up after 2018. And some of them are, are West Coast based. Some of them are not. And, uh, we, we'll just kind of wait and see. It's, uh, uh, there, as we get closer to the end of the minor league season, there are going to be some teams, I think, jockeying for position a little bit more. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about possible affiliates, but, uh, nothing concrete yet. And uh, but you know, half the fun will be finding out. At least we're going to have more leverage than we've had in the past, and so that uh, that, that should work to our advantage. Russ Langer, Las Vegas Fifty Ones play-by-play announcer, joining us. You know, everybody, if I had uh, spoken to you a couple of months ago, would have said, "Hey, if you have Russ Langer on, ask him about Peter Alonzo," and we will uh, find out your thoughts on Peter Alonzo. But the name that nobody thought we'd be interested in, and that's getting a lot of publicity, even Keith Law and, and Peter Alonzo going at it on Twitter about him is uh, Jeff McNeil uh, having a tremendous year. You've had a chance to see him for about two, three weeks now. Uh, A lot of excitement in New York with the thought that maybe with the Mets moving some veterans, McNeil will get a chance to win the second base job. Let's start there. What are your thoughts on Jeff McNeil in the short time you've had a chance to uh, watch him? Well, you're right. It's been a short time. I've been uh, about three weeks or so. But he's impressed everybody because he's hitting. He's doing everything well. He's hitting the ball hard even when he makes outs. He's making loud outs, but his average is hovering around 400, and that's not a fluke. I mean, he really 
has been making consistently solid contact, and he's been hitting to all fields. He's hit a couple of home runs to the opposite field. He's pulled a couple. Um, he has made some decent plays. He's not, a, I would say, an above-average defender, but he's worked hard to improve his defense. He used to be the interesting part about it, and I'm sure that Mets fans, if they've been following along in some of the articles written about McNeil, used to be more of a speed guy. But he had a couple of surgeries that kind of robbed him of a lot of that speed. So, you know, he was just a great story because he really was on his way out after last year. I mean, here's a guy with, with the, you know, modest ability to hit the ball for average, not much power, again, diminished speed because of the surgeries, and, uh, and nothing spectacular uh, defensively. And the kind of guy at the age of 25 coming out of double A, you figured he's, he's on his way out. Then he truly, legitimately reinvented himself this past offseason. And he went on a weight training program, and and uh, he took uh, he, he took extra care to to be in good shape and have have his conditioning ramped up in all the right ways. And uh, I think he took some extra batting practice and worked hard at that, and uh, and adjusting to different kinds of pitching. And it has paid off incredibly. I mean, he, even at Double A Binghamton, he was well over three hundred. The only guy in the league who had more home runs is Peter Alonso, who who's got, whose muscles uh, he's got eyebrows have, have have muscles, you know. So here's a guy who comes up to AAA now in three weeks is hitting 400, and you can you know you hear talk about well the Pacific Coast League is a hitters league yeah for the most part it is but you know when you hit the ball hard it doesn't matter where you're hitting the ball whether it's the Florida State League AAA or, or beyond um, this fella has has done a lot he's worked very hard and uh, it, it's it, so far it's a great story and he's showing a great deal of promise now. Absolutely. And you mentioned Peter Alonzo. That's the guy that everybody's been talking about since early this season, showing a tremendous amount of power in Binghamton. He's had to adjust. I know he had a three home run game in Vegas. He's had to adjust to triple A. I guess, you know, what I always like is, and we, we've talked about in the past when you've been on, everybody's going to look at stats up here in New York and very few are going to have a chance to watch and watch with a scout's eye. There's a reason why Peter Alonzo may need a little bit more seasoning and maybe some of the adjustments you see he's having to make at AAA is part of that, and why, you know, despite the cries for him to be in New York, he may not be quite ready yet. Your thoughts on Peter Alonzo? I think that Peter Alonzo has a chance to be really good. I mean, he had, he certainly, what he did in the first half at Binghamton, showing enormous raw power. Uh, and a guy, you know, from, I talked to some of the people who uh, saw him down there, and they said, yeah, he's got some, he's got some holes he could be pitched to. Um, but he's working on that, and he. And when you do make a mistake, well, you hit the ball at the end of any ballpark with that tremendous power that he does have. He's a he's a big time power. Um, I think since he got to AAA and he came here the same time that, that Jeff McNeil did about three weeks ago, I think that he appears to be pressing a little too much, trying to show his new team what he can do, uh, and swinging at some pitches that maybe he wasn't swinging at at, at, uh, at AA. And I, talk, I had a long talk with our hitting coach, uh, Joel Shamelis, about this very thing. Um, once he learns to settle back, refine things a little bit, he had a home run earlier in this current series at Fresno, uh, on the road in Fresno, which is not that much of a hitter's ballpark. Uh, I think he's got a chance to, to be a very productive offensive player. His defense is rather ordinary now. I think he's worked hard to improve in that area, too, to get to be just average because he was below average for a while. Uh, but, the, you know, he's there for his power. And once he settles back and doesn't press as much and uh, works on hitting the ball the opposite way and, and, and uh, really lays off, especially breaking balls out of the strike zone, 
I think you uh, you have a chance to see a guy who is going to provide you with a lot of power in the middle of the lineup. Uh, Russ, you know, you mentioned the hitting coach, and there was a whole entire uh, makeover, and that was one of the focuses of Sandy Alderson was to make over the, uh, I guess, the coaching staff for not just Las Vegas, but throughout the minor league system. Big difference this year? Have you seen a difference with how they approach player development with the 51s? There's no question about that. The, at least the difference in, in our staff in Las Vegas. I can't speak too much to the other uh, other areas around the organization, but in Las Vegas, uh, they they hired a manager, Tony DeFrancesco, who's a native New Yorker and who's had a tremendous amount of experience. He's got a great resume at this level, and of course, he's done some coaching and managing the big leagues too. And uh, Tony is the kind of guy you give him the tools, and he's going to win. Um, this team, you know, struggled early on um, with with some guys underachieving. And, and with some guys who probably shouldn't have been here, uh, to be honest. But then now, in, more, in the last couple weeks, two, three weeks, um, the roster has changed. Um, the, the, Tony DeFrancesco has more of a, uh, of a base to work with, and more guys who, um, who know how to win and who are developing at the same time. And the pitching coach, Glenn Abbott, does a great job. Joel Shemelis is a very solid hitting coach. And I think that this staff is a, a really, really good staff. They have two trainers here. Uh, who worked diligently to keep guys on the field. And uh, there's no question, a great improvement uh, over the staff from last year here. The name that actually gets forgotten about, former number one draft pick, is Gavin Cicchini. And uh, he hasn't played a tremendous amount, but when he has played, it seems like he's produced. Uh, Are we we sleeping on up here in New York, Gavin Cicchini, a little bit and forgetting about him? Well, Gavin, you know, he had a a good year two years ago. His first year at AAA, as you said, a former first-round pick. He hit three twenty five. He took a step back last year, and I think that um, you know part of it was you know Ahmed Rosario was on his way up, really passed him on the depth chart, and so they they realized that the, if he's going to have any kind of future, really he's going to be more either as a second baseman or as a utility guy, and um, so he made that position shift. And I don't know that may have had some sort of a, of an effect on him because his average dipped a, a lot, close to forty points, and this year he he was hitting better. Um, playing multiple positions, but then he injured his foot. He fouled the ball off his foot, and um, I, I don't know. I don't know the timetable for when he's going to be able to come back. So for the time being, between what the Mets have in the big leagues now at shortstop, and now the the reemergence of Jeff McNeil, uh, plus the injury to, to, to Gavin Chikini, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, a when he comes back. B what he's going to be like when he comes back, and see where he might fit in. Russ Langer, Las Vegas 51's play-by-play voice, uh, joining me here. I don't know how much you follow the big league club, but if you, former alumni, as you mentioned, Ahmed Rosario and Dom Smith, both have had their struggles there, Russ. Uh, have you watched any of them and any thoughts on their transition to the big leagues? Yes, yeah, so we, we keep a close tabs on them. I think, I think uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario, I think with a little bit more time, I mean, it's it, it, yeah, he hasn't burst on the scene with huge numbers, but I think uh, with a little more time, I think you will see more improvement from him a- at the big league level. And uh, Dominic Smith, um, you know, I, again, we, we hope for good things from Dominic. He had the big year last year. Uh, he, the, he was only hitting around 270 this year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that he makes whatever adjustments he needs to make because he's a really, really fine young guy and a, and a, and a tremendous defender. He, he did not allow... The, uh, the diminished uh, hitting numbers this year to affect his defense at all. He's still a tremendous uh, player over there. So um, you don't know too much about the nuts and bolts 
of what's happening with Dominic up in the big leagues right now. But I, I do, uh, we do hope that he's able to get things t- turned around because he showed the ability to do it before. Uh, there's a reason why he's so highly regarded, and hopefully uh, he'll get things turned around. Ahmed Rosario, I believe, is just a matter of time. Russ, uh, a couple other names have been brought up, and it's a smorgasbord, but I'm curious if any of them are names that would stand out to you, that guys they should you know, look at the fans. you got Corey Oswalt had a first halfway decent start against Toronto the other night. Chris Flexen's going to get a chance to show what he can do in the rotation. He's had some struggles, and maybe he was rushed a little bit to the big league last year. And then out of the bullpen, Drew Smith and Tim Peterson, a very small samples have shown some really good promise, uh, names that Peterson especially, a name that nobody would have thought about. Any thoughts? I know I gave you four guys, but anybody out of that group that, that really stood out to you while they had their time in Vegas? Well, all of them to some degree, uh, uh, Mike, but I think that uh, you mentioned those two relievers, and I would have to really uh, point to them especially because Tim Peterson was consistently good. And the thing about Tim Peterson, he's easy for scouts and observers to overlook because this is a right-hander who throws 88, 89, 90. I mean, he's below average with his velocity but he was so consistent with location and good movement, keeping the pitches down, staying on the corners and away from the middle of the plate. He consistently got strikeouts and, and ground balls to the infielders, in, inducing weak contact consistently. Uh, he's absolutely one of the best relief pitchers in the, in the Pacific Coast League this year. Drew Smith is a guy hampered by injuries much of his career. They picked him up last year in a Lucas Duda trade in Tampa Bay. And uh, great stuff. And I, I have always had the feeling from the beginning of this season that if, uh, if he can just stay healthy and be used properly, he can definitely be a big plus in the bullpen, no question. Before I let you go, uh, I always like to get your take. Are we sleeping on – I keep using that term sleeper. Are we sleeping on anybody in the, in the AAA roster, on the AAA roster that – you know, maybe um, could help. I'm not saying they are a top prospect, not saying that they're going to be uh, an impact player, but someone that could help either on the 40-man or, or potentially up in New York that uh, I haven't brought up yet. Uh, well, I think we've covered most of them. Um, I think that, you know, the, the other, if I was going to mention anybody else, I think that there's a left-handed reliever here, in the San Diego organization, who was uh, a guy that the Mets, I know they had up briefly, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another shot. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a left-hander who throws, throws strikes and does it fairly consistently. Um, you know, uh, you, a couple of guys, uh, you've seen, you've seen him, you've seen Kevin McGowan, who's having a very solid year again. Um, Kyle Regnall, who had, was one of the best left-handed relievers in the league last year has slipped a little bit this year, but has shown some signs of coming, regaining his old form again, because he's left-handed and because he's, he's healthy. Uh, a guy that you might see. Um, and then the other fellow who, uh, you know, has shown uh, an enormous arm, but as we all know, has lacked consistently and needs to be refined a lot more is, of course, Gerson Batista, who throws amazingly hard, um, but needs to get a better and needs to refine hit the fastball, the location, the command, and his secondary pitches. And every once in a while, he shows flashes of why they wanted him in that trade last year with the Red Sox but uh, needs to be a lot more consistent. It's certainly very raw, but has a lot of the, a lot of the, the raw ability uh, to open some eyes. Well, uh, listen, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're off this week. The team's out in Fresno. Kind of a busman's holiday, right? The old term, the busman's holiday. You take the bus on your day off when you're a bus driver and talk a little minor league baseball. So uh, be well, enjoy your time, and uh, let's do it again and enjoy the rest of the AAA season, all righty? 
Mike, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks a lot. That's Russ Langer of the Las Vegas 51s, the play-by-play voice. Always appreciate him joining us and spending some time with us. And this is the third year in a row, like I said, that we had a chance to catch up with Russ. Let's take a quick break. When we return, final thoughts, wrap up. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. We'll be back right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now that's Mets m-e-r-i-z-e-d online.com and get mesmerized today great stuff there from russ langer hope you enjoyed it really really interesting uh situation and i think it was very interesting what he said about peter alonzo pressing a little bit trying to do too much and um you know what Sometimes I, you know, everybody's screaming about, oh, the guy's got to be brought up, bring him up, this and that. Sometimes they need some time down there. It's not all about numbers. It's a lot different playing in the Eastern League in April and May and hitting all these home runs and all these, you know, northeastern cities where nobody's really watching. Then you get to AAA and you're a player and you start to smell it. And AAA is a little bit more big league. You're in a little bit big, different situation. And all of a sudden, the back gets a little tighter. And the strike zone all of a sudden gets wider. There's a lot of things. I laugh, too, because people get so crazy about Dom Smith not playing every day. And it's and even with this Alonzo stuff, like let people earn their spots. Is that something that we've totally gotten away from? Really? It's like, well, they're rebuilding. They stick. Well, even though you, you're bad and you're a second division club like the Mets, it's okay for players to earn their playing time. Wilmer Flores is hitting the hell out of the ball. Why should he sit because Dom Smith or Peter Alonzo need to be developed? Let them earn it. For crying out loud. So, appreciate Russ Langer coming on with us. Uh, always uh, a, good, a good take. Great guy. Been a longtime broadcaster. Experienced a lot. And those are the guys that really give us some of the best content on this podcast. So anyway, all right, uh, rest of the schedule. So we have the All-Star break coming up. Mets homestand continues with a doubleheader against the Phillies tomorrow and uh, throughout the week. So then the All-Star game will be uh, in front of us, Subway Series Part 2 after that. Um, I think I'll do a podcast next Sunday. It's possible I'll bleed something into the All-Star break. I'm not sure how I'm going to play that. Um, I think everyone really, by the way, everybody really did an awesome job with the call-in show. I think um, we got some new calls. Everybody behaved themselves. We had a kind of a couple quirky calls that I could have done without, but nothing that was too harmful to the quality of the broadcast. And I think the next time I'm going to do that is the, I don't know if it'll be the day of July 31st, but a trade deadline show. I think I definitely would like to do that. And uh, I think that might elicit a little bit more of a reaction and calls and emotions and things like that. So 
stay tuned for that. But, you know, we still have a ton to talk about. Uh, there's a possibility that the, after the, the trade deadline and all the moves that are made, there'll be a GM search. There's a possibility for that. Uh, there's minor league season, maybe call-ups. I mean, I'm sure Jeff McNeil, who uh, Langer seemed to be very excited about, will be in New York soon. Maybe TJ Rivera will be back. I know he's on a rehab assignment. Good news out of Brooklyn from earlier today. Noah Syndergaard pitched well in his five innings, so he should be back. And uh, look, I really think it's important to evaluate when all these guys get back. Let's see how the Mets play. Let's see how they play. And if they're going to get creative, the one move, and I, and, I, and I know we'll talk more about this, and it's going to be very tough to pull off, the one move that I think that w- would be able to be made would be a game changer is either getting Cespedes on board and figuring out what's going on with his health. Um, it seems like it's a heel injury, not a, a quad or a hip injury. It seems like the heel is what the chronic situation is. How can we keep Cespedes on the field? How can they keep Cespedes on the field? If not, figuring out maybe it's time to think about trading them. And with the no-trade clause and, and all that, that's probably going to be a difficult situation. So anyway, hey, want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, I want to thank our buddy Russ Langer. You can check him out. Listen to those Las Vegas 51s. Uh, even after the, the Mets affiliate, listening to minor league baseball is great. And Russ does a great job with the broadcast. Of course, I want to thank all the good folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Take care, and I'll see you next week.